0: Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. This is the audio version of each episode of the Empire Files hosted on Telesaur English. You can watch every episode at TheEmpireFiles.tv. One month ago, Hurricane Harvey tore through Houston, Texas, with an intensity scientists say is a one-in-1,000-year event. It destroyed nearly 17,000 homes and damaged almost 160,000. A shocking 82 people lost their lives. Predictably, the corporate media was on the ground to bring mostly unwanted scenes of human suffering.
1: Y'all trying to interview people during their worst times. Like, that's not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> so I'm so and you really man. trying to understand it with the microphone still in my face, with me shivering cold, with my kids wet, and you still putting a microphone sorry, in man. my face.
0: But almost as quickly as it came, Harvey was out of the news, a thing of the past. One month later, long after the cameras left, I wanted to see the state of Houston and how its people have recovered. With so many unprecedentedly strong hurricanes hitting the United States, Houston is much bigger than just a city getting back on its feet. It's a microcosm of the U.S. Empire's ability and willingness to deal with natural disasters. Immediately I saw that Houston was not only far from help, but entire neighborhoods remain in ruins, with no sign of local or federal government doing anything whatsoever. I spent two days in one of these neighborhoods. We're here in the Lake Forest Park neighborhood of Houston. This was one of the hardest hit and most neglected communities in the entire city. As you can see, residents here lost virtually everything. And over a month later, they're still in dire need of help. Venus, talk about what happened when Hurricane Harvey hit.
1: Well, 3 o'clock in the morning, I saw the water coming under my floorboards. And I told my mom, you know, it's like time to go. Water was rising so, you know, so high. It was was horrifying to go out in, outside, reach my car, water at my hip level, and make it outside my gate, water at my chest level, you know, and I had my mom, my son, my 23-year-old was with me, well, 24-year-old was with me at the time. Um, But not knowing what was in that water, because it was nighttime, and then they telling us not to evacuate, it was horrible.
0: They told you not to evacuate? Yes,
1: they told us not to evacuate. They told us to stay in our homes if the water started rising any higher to maybe get on our roof. But if we go into the attic, carry a hatchet with us just in case we had
2: to to knock ourselves out. We were asleep. We don't know that was going to happen until I feel something wet in my bed, and I thought, did I pee while I was sleeping? And I told my wife, look, look. And my son started yelling, hey, we're getting flood. So from there on, I wake up like crazy and start doing something. And then I saw everything floating in the house, the water bus about the waist. It was horrifying because I got kids and uh, my wife doesn't know how to swim. So what I started doing, you know, first thing I went to my... Uh, paper cabinets and start getting all important papers that I can and put in a trash bag. And I and all I can do, because in here it was so deep already, so I just think and go going to the attic. Fabian's son, Jefferson, took harrowing
0: video of the flooding while they were trapped in the attic.
2: That's my dad's truck, I think. Look at the neighbors house.
0: He showed me the pot of food they'd taken
2: to survive,
0: which they had to live on for
2: days. From there on, we stayed there for three days. But the horrifying thing is I see the water goes up and up and up. It was rising, rising, and rising. My wife was crying and I, my daughter and, and my kids were calling 911 every hour and staying on the phone for two or three hours waiting for somebody to pick up the phone, but nobody did. And if we got lucky. They said, we are around the corner. Where you are? I said, in this place. They were lying because they never show up.
0: then tell us about the day of Harvey, um, because your neighbor was just telling us that
3: it didn't take days. It took hours. It took hours, man. So I woke up 3, 4 in the morning, splashing my hand in the water. Like, what? My dad get us up. We wake up, come outside for the water to be in our house. If y'all can look at the area, to, for it to be on the floor in the street, it's already to your stomach, oh my God. you know what I'm saying? And that's at 3, 4 in the morning. So that's crazy because, like, you, you, you would think, like, the government and the state or whatever would be, have preemptive thinking to know, like, well, this is going to be bad. Let's mandatory evacuate now while we can or something like that It'll matter, but they don't. Even when the water stopped raining hard, it was still coming up. And these were the times when they opened the floodgates. I heard that they flooded on purpose some
0: levees. I mean, did they warn you that that was gonna happen?
4: No, ma'am, not at all. Like I say, we watched the news through the whole process, even as it was flooding outside and raining. We were still watching the news, just trying to see what's going on, what's the next step, what to do. At no time was they saying evacuate. At no time was they saying, we're gonna open levees, you might have to evacuate. It wasn't anything of the sort. It was just, help yourself, uh, you know? So at that moment, we was in the midst of I'm trying to tell my people to leave and they trying to see what the news have to say because, you know, they they supposed to know it all or tell it all. To. So I got them out and in the midst of us talking, it was like maybe five to 10 minutes that passed. The water had risen from like a, a feet or two. to so it was waist level already. When I got them on the boat, uh, my girlfriend, she's like five, five, something like that. It was pretty much all the way. Yes, it was there already.
0: So once they flooded that, it, once it...
4: once the levees or whatever they open open, it was an instant, an instant thing. The whole neighborhood
3: just. They they do this to prevent certain areas from getting certain areas. Certain areas, cause you know this is the low come in income area. So when anything happens, first places they open the gates is for these areas closer to, closest to the bayous, which all these low come areas ride the bayou. You hear me? So they know this. They just don't think
2: the people know. I was uh, scared that the house getting fired because I don't know why the power company never cut the power off from the neighborhood. So one of the huge fears that residents had
0: aside from the flooding were electrical fires. Just like the house behind me, this is one of several houses that was actually burned down because of the failure of the power company to shut off the electricity during the flood.
2: Fortunately, my brother-in-law were coming from, from Louisiana and he brought his boat here.
0: So your brother coming from Louisiana came quicker than local authorities came to help you?
2: The local authorities never show up, unfortunately and and he did he take us out of here my brother-in-law did it just um give the boat to another people and we walked with the water up to the chest to the another main road which is called wayside it's about probably five miles from here so we walk all that with the water up to uh, the chest it was uh bad because it was raining water was cold and infected you know and smelly and it was horrible this is uh, the street sign and we passed i mean the water was up to the half of the the, on the top one where it says uh, lake forest right on top right there in the middle when we was all moving helping each other get
3: out of here because like people that been here last time we knew last time we stayed on the roof for three days so this time Got our neighbors, got the babies, the kids, because they sit, they all unexpected, not knowing what's going on. They sitting in the cars and sitting on top of the house waiting for ambulance or waiting, and it's not gonna, they're not gonna come. We didn't see any officials till three days later after um, the initial day Harvest struck. At this time, we all up there in the um, parking lots, all up in there, and they passing by with vests on and everything, not one citizen in there, you know what I'm saying? Like, we got people, old people, sitting up there that really need their machines and stuff like that. They need to get out of here. we like, come get the old people.
2: Come, hey, we coming back. And they didn't. It. Well, I was walking with my family on the main road back there with the water up to my chest. I saw a few rescuers from, uh, I think it was Salvation Army or something. There were seven people in each boat drinking coffee. And I thought they was going to come and rescue tell us, hey, jump in. No, they say keep on going. You're almost there. Almost where? And I and I know the area because I live here. I say, to where? Almost there. To where? Because it's no, it's nothing back there. And they just tell us keep walking. And they were drinking hot coffee in the boats, like if they were fishing or hunting or something.
3: And this is a this is prone to flooding, right? This is a known flooding area, and they uh, this is something. is it's so crazy how. When everything happened, you see no police, no ambulance, and this police station right there and a the fire station right there. It's just unheard of to not get help when it's going down. It's crazy.
2: We take some people to the fire department uh, place right on, on, on McCarty. And I was amazed. My, my jaw almost dropped to the floor because they tell us, no, 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 we can take these people here. And, uh, and then we ask, hey, can we use one of your boats here? So, well, no, they don't have gas. We don't have gas for the boat. So we, you can have them, you can use them. We can go and get your family.
0: While the corporate media followed around government rescue teams, the reality of total neglect for entire neighborhoods was invisible. When these abandoned communities did receive media coverage, it was of so-called looting. Yet I found a different story, one of heroism, selflessness, and community. I went out and I found the,
4: a guy I know from the neighborhood and I do hunting and fishing. So he was rescuing different people from the community in one of his own personal boats. So I, I witnessed him doing it. I spotted him and he recognized me and he came back up the road to rescue my people. So when I got them out, I locked the house up, got everything secured and uh, I stayed around because I'm a little taller. And uh, I helped some of my neighbors across the street. I don't know if you can see mm-hmm. the walker in the front yard. I mean, like it's some of them, they, they older, it's elder. they can't walk, they can't swim, they, they had different surgeries and things. So, you know, I just stayed back helping with them and different people with kids, people that were shorter than I couldn't walk out on their own. And pretty much that's the story. It, we, we we really didn't have a lot of rescue efforts and things like that from the police officers. Uh, I'm not trying to bad mouth or put no X on anyone, but our community helped our community everyone that had a a raft, a life boat jacket anything that can float they brought it out and helped and assist with other people rescues Mm -hmm. and that's that's pretty much 90 percent of my neighborhood got rescued by my neighborhood
3: in the flood like i seen it amazing for like my people from my next door neighbor brother martinez next to next door he had a boat boy that boat everybody from this all the way around this circle, there was there was this place stuck on their roof. That man came back, took them from here to where the street started going down. And that's the farthest they can take people. And I was walking people through a path, through backyards, to meet them up over there to go get up there to the front and to shelter to get everybody out the water. Since surviving the flood, they told me how their lives have changed. As far as this
4: goes, this is pretty much everything we used to own uh, was what we call our home. Everything is out here now on the pile. Everything we worked for for a lifetime was destroyed in like a matter of hours. And as we step into the home, watch your step, Miss Abby. Um, This is where all the floors have been stripped. It was hardwood floor and it all had to be stripped. Uh, This is the first room that the water rushed in. I guess the the water pressure was so much in this room, it shifted the whole wall. What can you actually take in a time like this? It's like, uh, I can't imagine a person going through a fire or something like that. Because it's like, you want everything in your home, but you have to grab what you can grab and go. You know, so all appliances, all clothing, all, everything is just gone to trace. Like, we can only grab, like, important documents, maybe jewelry and important things like that. Family
0: photos. Family
4: photos, everything is gone. And like I said, I just lost my father, like, two years ago. Um, And all that is gone. I lost all that. Everything is completely stripped and broke down. It's, it's you can't stay in here right now.
0: No, you can't.
4: This is what we have left of a restroom. Like we still have power, cause you know you still have to pay the bills. They still coming, <laughs> so we still have to pay those. Can you get ready like this in, for work in the morning? You know, or to do anything just to get back to society and life? Is you can't live like this. No, you can't. And we're not getting any help. You know.
1: I mean, when I returned home, I was scared. I cried. I didn't. It, it's, it's. I cried, I, I, everything, because everything that we had is gone. We have to start all over from scratch. And that's memories from when my kids were babies. Everything is gone. So a lot of people don't want to face that, but sooner or later they're going to have to come and face reality.
2: And this is our reality. So I have four cars under the water, and I said, what are I going to do? I lost everything. I mean, even my underwear, you know, everything, you name it, it's gone. I'm struggling right now just, just to get our cars to go to work, you know. I don't have a job right now for those reasons. I lost my job.
0: While FEMA was nowhere to be found during the days of flooding, one month later, help from the agency is just as elusive.
3: What they're doing is not helping right now, you know what I mean? Like, we people still waiting on FEMA can't get to work, you're losing your job, you're losing your house. It's crazy, because I've been hearing how people in the richer areas are already getting checks from FEMA, and over here, we're still pending, still waiting.
1: I, I applied for FEMA, I'm still pending. But what can $400 do? $400 can't move me in a house. I have to pay my. I have to pay for a room, because I didn't get lodging with FEMA. So I have to pay for my room and board.
4: And uh, I heard about them offering different rooms, uh, $500, $400. We didn't receive any of that. Like, even as far as the Red Cross, the $400 they was given to help people get back together, I can show you on my phone, well, I didn't even qualify. And I'm like, if you don't qualify after losing everything you own, what do it take to qualify, you know?
3: Not
0: qualified. Not
4: qualified. Yes, ma'am. No. I don't even, they, they say you can go and appeal it or something, as you can see, it's really nowhere that say to appeal. Yeah. In nowhere, well, if why? You,
0: why were you not qualified? They it it don't even say. It
4: don't even give you appeal option, and
2: they don't even say why I'm not qualified. Red Cross offer four hundred dollars for help, and guess what? This morning, they sent me an email that I don't qualify for that uh, help. Why? They don't tell you why. They just say you don't qualify. I wonder what I have, where I had to be in order to be qualifying. For that help, uh, FEMA is saying they're helping. Help. I don't know who they help, but they're not helping this this community here. None of us have nothing from FEMA. It, it's it's sad. It's sad that they prefer to send ten million dollars to some other countries for war or whatever, but not not even a penny over here. I call FEMA, and they say, "Well, we'll assign a supervisor." But I haven't heard from the supervisors. That was two weeks ago. We
3: we gotta do something because what y'all gonna say is gonna we know it's gonna happen again. Do you do you see ditches over here? Y'all see ditches? Ain't no ditch. It's like one ditch, one down, one street. Like, come on, man. Do they do the, the richer neighborhoods like this? No, they got ditches on every street. They got retention ponds for any house that's bigger than. Come on, man. It's something that can't be done. It's just not being done, cause I guess they don't seem exerting the money to this low-income area or something.
0: Why do you think that no one's come here, especially after Veronica wrote Channel 13 and and all these people? I mean, why do you think that they haven't come?
4: Cause I I really think the area or the neighborhood is really frowned on. You know, I don't know if it's stereotyped or whatever about the situations that's going on, but cause I know I heard a lot about the looting and things like that, but. You see my home, you see where I'm at. The water was twenty feet or better Mm -hmm. at every canal like by by you to get out of here. It was no way for us to even get out of here with our we barely got out of here with our life. We didn't have time to try to take anything from nobody else. We barely was able to grab the items that we wanted for ourselves. And even those people that were stealing for whatever reason they was, they probably was just trying to help their family.
0: Yeah, exactly. So but like during the hurricane, the community has stood up in place of government failure. Wayland, Venus, and Fabian have been staffing a table every day to distribute supplies and donations. And they're going door to door to inform people of tenants' rights and help with cleanup efforts.
3: Now we've been me and my group, we've been out here every day, helping houses, helping people. And every day we out here, we got families and and small little churches coming, giving food every day, water every day. And out of these, would have been a month now. I seen um, the army come twice. They wonder like they come through and they come give, they come give you a couple bottles of water or come give you one pack of MREs and one case of water. Man, people been coming giving us. I got a garage of water from all of the love from people coming every day to make sure we got what we need. And if they can do it, you can't tell me y'all can't do it. The most beautiful part about it is how the community came together to save ourselves. That's what I call the little neighborhood movement we doing, SOS, Save Ourselves. That's what we've been trying to do, save everybody that can need help, anybody that they can't do it on their own right now, we trying to help, man.
1: I came back to my neighborhood, you know, to volunteer, you know, alongside my brother Eduardo and, and Waylo, and so that we can at least try to get these, you know, try to get something going on in a community, and that's what we're doing. You mentioned yeah. that
2: this bobcat right here, this is a volunteer. Volunteer people are amazing. They're being helping me to tear down the walls, to clean the house. And in the world see this country as one of the first-class countries that take care of some other countries first. But look how we are right now. It's worse than we are in the war. I don't see one police car around, I don't see no fire departments, I don't see FEMA, I don't see none none of them. It's sad because if if we don't have this volunteer with a good heart, we probably don't have nothing to eat because they bring us every day water, sandwiches, whatever they can. But all this is from volunteers, not from the government. While these stories of
0: resilience and self-organizing were inspiring, Lakewood and many other neighborhoods are still in dire need of help.
1: 77078 is the zip code that needed because it didn't, it didn't go to this house and miss this house and go to this house and miss this house. Every house in this community was hit and hurt. Everybody,
2: literally. The whole neighborhood is just gone. This is 77078 zip code attention 77078
3: i know it's a lot of stuff going on but we one of the most advanced nations on this planet can't tell me we can't do something to take care of our people in a more faster manner and i just want us all us as americans us as houston's people from right here from this 77078 area code to be aware of what they're doing to us they want us to our value, our value of life is not as valuable as we think, you know. It's what I see.
0: And as my investigation found, the failure to address the urgent needs of my friends in Lakewood by a local, state, and federal government puppeted by big oil has much bigger implications of certain disaster in the near future in countless similar cities across the country. Thank you for listening to the Empire Files podcast. If you want to subscribe to our mailing list, please sign up at theempirefiles.tv. We want this show to be a resource for those fighting against Empire both here and abroad. Let us know what you think on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Empire Files and Facebook at The Empire Files.